Hey everybody, on this week of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to get into the new $450 million man, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we're going to talk about college football. Um, some leagues are canceling their entire fall season, and some teams are cutting sports altogether. Um, and then we're talking about the NBA, the bubble, and the WNBA. What do we think of the uh, Dreams co-owner's response to the Black Lives Matter movement? That and always more on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. Uh, we are in month number four. It feels well, it feels like a year <laughs> of COVID nineteen quarantine in the house. Um, so it's another day, another Wednesday, which means it's time for Guys Talking Sports, where me and two of my other friends, Alan Ace, just shoot the shit about the regular sports topics of the day. So before we even get started, and there's a lot to get into. How you boys doing tonight? Good, man. Good. Nice to catch up with you and a couple others while I was in Jersey recharging the batteries. But, you know, you can't sit there and recharge too long. You got to get back to the grind. That is for sure. I mean, I, even though I, I, I mean, these past couple of days I took off because I had to recharge. So um, I'm ready to get into it, bottom line. Got a lot to talk about. Shoot, ain't nobody talking about, you know, you could have courted any just recharging of the battery situation. But, <laughs> but I'll do mine in about a week and a you know, week and a half when I have something else I got to do for work. But nonetheless, let's get right into it. There's a lot of topics going on. Uh, Ivy League is making a big shakeup with their announcement. Um, Stanford, huge shakeup with their announcement. But let's get right into it. Um, the new, quote unquote, 400, excuse me, $503 million boy, Patrick Mahomes signed a 10-year extension on top of the two years um, that he has left in his contract with the Chiefs. Um, so he signed to the tune of $450 million. However, with other incentives, it can get up to 503. But the guaranteed monies, which is really all that anybody really matters about, as I believe is up to 140 guaranteed or injury guaranteed, um, with him making about $45 million per year um, with type of roster bonuses and other stuff bonuses, which is guaranteed within about two years. Very long contract. Um, did he reset the market? Um, were you surprised at the 10-year contracts? Because I know, A, I was surprised, and B, I thought he was really going to ding the Chiefs some more. But from his vantage point, he said he wanted – family security, and he wanted to make sure that the Chiefs would be able to put a team around them over the next couple of years to help them win. Nice team-friendly approach. I don't know if I would have done that, but a nice team uh, approach. We'll see how it goes over the next couple of years. Uh, but guys, what are your thoughts about Patrick Holmes and his new shiny contract that he, uh, well, agreed to as a sign yet, but the contract that he just is going to get? And be mad at the brother. <laughs> you know, it's, he signed a historic deal. Well-deserved. He's still young. I think he's only, what, 22, 23 years old? No, maybe 24. Still young. I mean, and even when that is up, if he even still honors that 10-year contract, technically for a quarterback, he's still got five good years left after that. So he could decide to leave Kansas City and go somewhere else and still be dominant if he's still, you know, if he's still that quarterback he is during that time frame. Go, go to another team and still dominate for another five years, maybe seven, depending on how durable he is. You know, so he could technically run this league for a decade and a half and cake up. I can't be mad at the brother at all. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, this this is very. I mean, I, first things first. Kudos to Patrick Mahomes for getting a, 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 this type of a deal um, in agreements. Um, because let's be honest, this is you rarely see something like this for ten years. Like let's just be honest. So kudos to them. Kudos to Kansas City for 
sticking with their quarterback and say, we're going to build around you. You will be our franchise player. And rightfully so. I mean, he's now a Super Bowl MVP. So you have to give credit where credit is due. They said, you got us a championship. We're going to look out for you. So I'm not mad at the, the contract. I'm not mad at the extension. I mean, he's definitely has a lot of good years ahead of him. And he's already proven what he can do with the tools around him. So as long as Kansas City continues to build around Patrick Mahomes, which I'm pretty sure that they are, I think they're going to be in a great spot for years to come. Um, yeah, and, and like a lot of people, I was uh, I was surprised it was ten years. I mean, I thought he might have did a um, you know a, a four or five year contract to hit him up, and then wait till this one runs out, um, wait till that new TV contract money comes in where the cap might definitely is going to not get, not go up, but really go up, and then try to hit him out because I think that's what Deshaun Watson and that's what that Prescott, I believe, are looking to do, sign short-term contracts with anticipation, knowing that that cap is going to go up in about two or three years and come back and hit him again. So I think that um, I agree with you guys. You know, kudos for him for doing it. Um, if he wants to, you know, He's going to get his money, and the contract for which I was reading is very interesting. He gets a lot of his guaranteed money, at least a good one to two years <laughs> before the years on his contract. So is he's going to get a bulk of his money within the first four to five years, which is really five years. Now, is he going to play 10 years out of it? I doubt it. Are they going to come back and probably rework that contract? Most definitely. Um, I can see that by year Really, it's 12 years, so I can see by once this current contract runs out, um, not this season, but the following season, all that money starts kicking in on top of that. I can see them coming back in about four years, trying to rework that contract to free up some more stuff, probably get some more money if he wins another Super Bowl, which I'm not saying that he will, but he's definitely in line to do. Or another league MVP, which he could very well do. We have more leverage. So, I, you know, <laughs> I thought he would hit him up with a shorter amount of money, but, you know, collectively he's going to get 45 mil on, you know, combined with what he has left on top of all that. 45 mil is resetting the market. Whew. Mm -hmm. This is what did uh, Dak sign for? 30, 35? Um, he signed the franchise tag, so he gets – 30, I think it's 31 or 34 million this year. I think, I think somewhere between 31 and 34. It's not 35. And Deshaun is probably going to get somewhere close to 40. I mean, I don't think they're going to sit there and pay him $45 million a year. He'll get close to 40, though. If he's smart, if he's smart he'll take a, a three-year con. If he's smart, he'll probably do a, a, a Kirk Cousins. Start doing those three-year guarantee deals, get their money, and then re-up after two years and see how it goes. I think that's a new trend. I just think Patrick Mahomes, I think he just decided that he wanted to make Kansas City his home for the long, you know, for the long term. Whereas, you know, a lot of these jokers like Kirk Cousins and everybody else thinks that they need to get their money when they can get it, and then if something happens, just be out. Yeah. No, but I, 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 I think that I mean with with this all said and done with these with the quarterbacks, um, they're really I think the new age is coming to the point where they're thinking, you know, I just want to be where I can be for long term. You got the veteran players already. You you kind of figure what the veteran players are going to go for. Um, mm -hmm. Dak may be a little bit of the exception at this stage because um, he signed his franchise tag, um, so he's going to probably look for other options that he's know what his value is worth. But I see that with Patrick Mahomes and um, Lamar um, Jackson, I think that those are going to, I think that's where the new quote unquote, the bar is going to be. I mean, anybody at that, I mean, besides the veteran players, the new players that's coming out, I think that's going to be the new bar that's going to be set based on the performance of these up and coming um, quarterbacks that's coming out um, because now you got to show and prove. And once you show and prove, there's going to be a, a position where you can either stay with you, you have full intentions of staying with the one team that got you there, or 
you want to be like the veteran players. It's going to be a, a, a tip for tap whether you're going to follow the veterans example or you're going to follow Patrick's example and just stay with one team and commit to that one team and build from that one team. But I think with Kansas City's case, what they did is, is basically we already proven that we can win a championship with what we have here. So we need to just continue that mold and continue that case. But with the case of Lamar Jackson, they still got lo a little bit long ways to go. They're not, not a long way to go, but they're on the cusp of it. So they're just probably going to stand pat and continue to do the same model. But as far as everybody else is, they're not on that particular level to get notified, noticed as a quarterback at this stage, not on the same level as Lamar and Patrick. So they have a lot of chance to, to make up, to, to get to that point. Whether the quarterbacks get there is going to be to be seen. And I think we did. We both touched on it a little bit. Um, obviously, Dak Prescott signed a franchise tag for one year. Um, Deshaun Watson, you know, he's coming up next year, and they're already in negotiations. So how do you think this contract, um, the length of this contract, how do you think it's going to affect their negotiations going forward? I don't see Baltimore following that boat. I'll tell you that right now. Mm. Um. I think they recognize that they got Lamar, uh, a, a great quarterback in Lamar, but they also know that the, the way they, they use him, that he's just an injury away from being the next RG3. Um, so if he stays healthy this season, I think Baltimore will redo his contract like Mahomes. But I, don't, I, I don't see them going nowhere near as far as 10 years. I think they'll do a five-year contract, maybe cut that, in half and then still take 20 or 25% off the top of that and then give Lamar something. You know, especially if Lamar don't win them a, a, a Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. It all depends on how far um, Lamar goes. Mm -hmm. That's really what it boils down to. Um, they're going to base what his salary, I mean, what they're going to do based off his performance if he continues on that trend. If he's like in the playoffs and maybe a game before winning the Super Bowl, getting to the Super Bowl, I should say, um, or somewhere in that range, I think that they'll look at that as to say, okay, we just need a couple more pieces, but we're solely invested in Lamar Jackson. But anything outside of the playoffs and that devalues Lamar Jackson's status. I mean, as far as the salary is concerned. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to take away and approach C. I don't think anything is going to happen right now. Um, now, if Lamar Jackson does uh, Patrick Mahomes and, you know, wins the MVP one year and then comes back and wins the Super Bowl the next year, then all bets are completely off. Um, but, you know, given that he won an M MVP, his Super Bowl, you know, his playoff performance was not that great. <laughs> he has two bad games on his, on his docket. Not give him – he has two bad games, but we'll, I think I'll give him a pass on a, on his first year because he was a, a a rookie coming in, and he did play okay up until that last game, and then he just got, you know, he got like you know deer in headlights. Mm -hmm. But the second game, um, the playoff game was not that much better. So, if I'm Baltimore, hey, um, you're gonna have to show and prove again that you can do it. I mean. Does it have to be MVP? Not necessarily, but he's got to get him to at least the AFC Championship game before I think Baltimore will seriously consider breaking open the bank. And let's remember, they got burnt by Joe Flacco. <laughs> Which is true. And I'm going to be so, honest with you. I don't think that um, if if Kansas City would have didn't win the Super Bowl, I don't know if we'd be talking about this extension right now. No. The, you know, everything up to that point, got him this money yeah and this is actually not even this is for this contract is more for not deeds done but deeds to be done yeah but he certainly proved that so see what they can do we'll see how kansas city i mean let's we'll see how this works in kansas city favor but it was good to keep them while they had them because now they're in a prime to talk about making the playoffs and winning another Super Bowl for a couple of years to come. Like, they found their franchise quarterback as far as they're concerned. Yeah. You know, you so, know the whole adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. You have no quarterback. So if you got a decent above average or 
highly above average quarterback, you lock him in and make him your franchise quarterback for a very long time because, as we can see, becoming an NFL quarterback and being a successful one is extremely difficult, and there's only a handful of them, maybe 10 or 12, that are legitimate starters in this league every year. So, Kansas City is and on a side note, I kind of do feel, well, not that bad for Dak. I'm kind of interested to see how his contract is going to get done because he's on a franchise tender um, tag. Um, what's going to happen next year? Because Jerry does not want to give him $450 million, $45 million a year. That ain't coming from Jerry. Um, however, huh? I think he's going to let him up. I think, I think he did, did too. I mean, who did he? Did, who did they just bring in that almost made them all? Um, oh, Dalton. Huh? Andy Dalton. They brought in Andy Dalton. I think he's saying that I could put Andy Dalton in that offense with Zeke because Zeke got his money. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more than Zeke probably deserved, but Zeke got his money. Amari got his money. Everybody else got their money except Dak. So, I'm, so he's not sold on Dak. Nope. But you know who he's probably really, 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 really waiting on to see if he can finagle how to get the first-round pick? Trevor? Sunshine. Right, sunshine right out of Clemson. Ain't no way in hell they're going to they sit there and tank just to get Sunshine. But that's who he would want. I agree, but he ain't going to get him. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't going to get him. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir. I don't even know what team in the NFL is that bad they'll sit there and get sunshine. Well, provided we have a football season, I guess we're going to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I mean, if if uh, if uh, Baker regresses that bad, maybe Cleveland. I, I hope Baker doesn't regress because I actually like Baker as a quarterback. I, I like his moxie. I like his. I like his fire. I like his fire when he's at Oklahoma, you know, despite Oklahoma being Oklahoma. But, you know. Maybe, um, it's, maybe it's something in the water in Cleveland to, 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 to QBs that just you go there, you just regress. <laughs> you know, I, I feel you. But, I'm, still, I'm still trying to think of a team that would 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 be at that level now. We have to wait for the season to get started. It's a lot of <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. But we shall see. He's a he's a he's a newly million dollar man. Um, he has his contract. He has his stability. He's going to be Kansas City for the foreseeable future. And um, Kansas City got their franchise quarterback, and they ain't letting home homeboy go. They want to squeeze every amount of good football they can out of him before they have to let him go. Exactly. Unless so. he's Tom Brady, then but Tom never signed no contract like that. <laughs> nah, because Tom was going to – well, actually, not that Tom <laughs> was going to do it. Bill Belichick. <laughs> True. He's like, yeah, we can let you walk. So we'll, we'll find another TV. We got, we got Garoppolo. You know, go ahead and walk. <laughs> yes. Did we talk about Cam last week? I thought we did. I think we yeah. did. Do you it. think do you think that Cam will actually start being how Bill Belichick said that you know it's a it's no guarantee that he will if he if he if he plays good he'll start if not he's going to be you know holding a clipboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, like him saying that only furthers my point about it being the system. Um, because I have a feeling that at the end of the day, with so many players that went to New England, and Cam is not the, you know, Cam is just the latest addition. But, I mean, think about it. When he had Randy Moss um, coming in, and people were talking about his antics, and, and, of course, even with Antonio Brown was the latest project before Cam. And, like, during that time, while they was there, the system was working for them. And if there was any issues or any antics, you know, he, he'll tell them, like, basically, hey, look, fall in line or you'll get cut, bottom line. And I think that at the end of the day, that's, you know, if, if they did get, tend to get out of line, you will see them cut immediately. So I think that Belichick is going to give Cam a little bit of leeway. 
But I think Cam already also knows that he's on a, you know, he's not in a place where he could just be Cam to the nth degree. So he knows that with New England, things are different. They have a system there. He's going to have to abide by it some shape or form. And, you know, it's whether it's, it's his opportunity to lose. Oh, uh, we have a former MVP, a former quarterback that took a, a team to the Super Bowl, uh, somebody who knows how to win, somebody who can give you offense, not even through the, you know, through the air plus on the ground. And then you have uh, the other QB that they have. And, uh, not knocking him. Uh, it was Stidham. Jason Stenham, yes. Yes. I'm not knocking Stenham. I think he could be a great quarterback in his league, but I think it's I think it's Cam's to lose. And I just think, you know, Belichick is just blowing smoke up people's butts because that's just what he does. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they you know, got Cam on pennies on a dollar, you know. He's only guaranteed what five hundred and fifty thousand dollars, so it's a it's a low risk high reward. If he plays good, he starts. If not, he'll be riding the pine and, with a clipboard. If he bucks and you know becomes a headache a head case, then he's going to be uh he's going to be cut. Bill Belichick has no qualms about that. If you're gonna let the main you're gonna let the go Brady walk. And I don't know what to say about Uncam. Just, you know, do your best. But this is a show and prove it. I mean, I know he feels like the respect factor is, you know, is not there for him. He wants to show and prove everybody what he can do. Then go out there and do your thing. Um, if not, you'll be riding the pine. <laughs> exactly. And I have a feeling that if he does that, he can't say nothing. I mean, at this stage, he can't say nothing. Because I think – the question is whether or not he'll be humble enough to say that, hey, I didn't earn the stock, the, the role. I don't mind, you know, if if they need me to come in, they need me to come in. He has to have the, the, the be humble to say the right things. Because if he doesn't and it gets goes left, then, of course, you, the one thing Belichick doesn't want is any additional drama is needed. He wants the focus to be solely on the Patriots and football. Or as you would say when you ask him a question, uh, my focus is on the next team, next game, next game, next week. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't think Cam is going to conform to that. But wait, so you don't think that Cam is going to be just saying sitting idle, or if he doesn't start? No, I mean if he doesn't, if obviously he's not starting, he's not getting before the uh, the before the media. But if he is the starting quarterback, I think Cam is going to be Cam. I think he's going to sit there and let Belichick determine how he's going to sit there and approach the media. He's not, he's not Tom Brady. He's going to be out there. He's going to do him. I just don't think he's going to do anything to embarrass the Patriots. But that's not going to stop him from being who he is as far as his artistic, you know, his artsy style and his charisma and how he uh, how he approaches uh, talking to the media and his gameplay. Okay, I see where you're going. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. All right, so well, we shall see when the season starts up. So, on to the next. Um, college football, or at least the Ivy League, has decided to rule out all fall sports. That means no Ivy League football. Do they even have Ivy League football? <laughs> it's D3. No, it's D3. No, it's, uh, it's one double A. That's not... It's, uh, one double A, I think. I thought they was division just one, division one though. Nah, they're not G five. Okay, they're double A. They they they're on the ranks where they they go through the uh, the playoffs. They don't go to bowl games. Ah, gotcha. yeah, you know what it is because I'm so confused because with the um their division one like in basketball they're you know they're part of the March Madness and the whole chagrin. So I'm thinking from that level that. Since they're part of March Madness, they're part of the Division One side of things. But with football, it's, I guess it's completely different, which yes. doesn't make sense in some shape or form. Because if they're Division One A in football, don't they, shouldn't they be the same in in the rest of the sports? 
They're all right. They're they're FCS, Division One FCS. In other words, they're they go through that whole playoffs like uh, University of Delaware mm-hmm. and um, all those schools. Where the same school that uh, the quarterback from Eagles came from. Uh, I can't even think of his name right now. Went. Uh, oh, Carson. Yeah, you know they play in that league where they. The top 16 and the top 32 teams play in the play, round robin playoffs to crown their national champion. So they're they're not FBS or or, or uh, FCS. So, you know, they might be FCS, but they damn sure ain't playing no bowls. I ain't never seen the Ivy League team playing anybody's bowl. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. So so basically, I mean, we're we're looking at the the the, the Dartmouth Big Green, Yale Bulldogs, Princeton Tigers, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania Quakers. Uh, Cornell, Big Red, Columbia Lions, Harvard Crimson, and the Brown Bears playing football at Division One. <laughs> However, some of those teams in basketball do sneak into the, um, yes. the big dance mm-hmm. um, and um, some other sports. But this is not this is not quote unquote the big leagues of fo- football. This is not Division One. They're not one of the Power Five conferences. So, in light of all of the cases that are coming with some of the Power Five conference teams um, with players testing positive for the coronavirus. Do you think that Ivy League shutting down all fall, fall sports is a is a blip or something that could be a trend? Uh, I think the Group of Five and the Power Five will sit there and make a last minute decision. I don't sit there and think that they're going to go ahead and just cancel. Um, their football season or, you know, all fall sports. Because I look at those Ivy League schools, those Ivy League schools, you, if you're not on scholarship, you're paying fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year to go. So it's not like those, the athletic program makes that much money where they're sustaining other portions of the university. I think it's the situation that the students play that, that and endowments from alumni and corporations that keep those universities afloat. So they could tend to, in my opinion, I could be totally wrong, to probably scrap or want to wait out to play the season in the spring as opposed to the fall because I don't think any of their sports operate in the black. Um, from what I heard, from what I've heard, um, they, the reason for the Ivy League canceling their, their season, was, I mean, the fall season was because they were following the CDC guidelines um, that are shown um, in regards to like the social distancing and all that stuff. So I think they said that they made the best decision to do it. Me personally, I think that, I think that the top conferences are looking at this. Um, and they, I don't, like, I agree with you, Ace. I don't think that they're going to make a decision anytime soon, but with that being said, I think that they will make that decision in the final hour whether or not they're going to continue or whether they're going to cancel. And in seeing this happening, and with, you know, we'll talk about the other incident in the college as well, but seeing all this going down and seeing how everything is as far as the states is concerned, I would not be surprised if they're not only monitoring, but they're there could be some actual consideration in regards to the NCAA football and whether or not they'll play. I mean, the Ivy Leagues is not really a big issue, but if you see another conference do the same thing, that is definitely part of the NCAA college football, then you'll see the powerhouses. I would be wary about the powerhouses. But if you see like another, not powerhouse, but another conference, um, say, you know what, we're going to do the same thing, then that's where people start to begin to worry. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I, don't, I don't see this as a, a trend because the Ivy League is not Division One. If they were Division One, then I would definitely say, all right, now you have something to really think about. But um, I think it's a, it's a blip at the moment. But and I think as the closer we get to the end of July and beginning of August, when you definitely want to get, you know, players in there and start practicing your first 
for Christ's sake, your first games is is in um is in you know end of August, beginning of beginning of September. Um, I think a decision is going to have to be made very soon whether you're going to go through it or not. And I agree, they're probably going to wait to the very last minute. There's a lot of money on the table, a lot of money on the table um, for them to just scrap it without trying to exhaust all possible options. Hell, you look at the NBA right now, their bubble. I mean, things are looking a little sketchy and they're still holding their noses and still sending players going, praying that they can actually get through it and hopefully the guys in the bubble will be safe. So I think college football is going, might take that kind of approach. Um, so, but what really makes things more interesting, um, and I'll segue into it, Stanford cutting 11 um, varsity sports out of um, his current, what, 36? Mm-hmm. Um, so, if, so if I can read this, the, um, the sports that will be discontinued are men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's squalling, squalling, who does squalling, squash, <laughs> synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and re- wrestling. Hmm, not women's volleyball, but men's volleyball. However, 11 sports out of 36 are going to be um, cut. Um, obviously, football is not cut. Men's and women's basketball is not cut. I think um, we can see the, the writing on the walls that some of these um, – some of the sports that have not been cut are ones that kind of generate a little bit of revenue. So guys, uh, what are your thoughts about this? Cause I think what Stanford is doing is probably a little bit more bigger than what the Ivy league has done. Be honest with you. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> be honest with you. I see that would be start up a trend because I could see so many other colleges starting to do the same thing. They're going to take a, I'm, I'm going to be surprised. They're looking at what sports out there is, at this stage, you know, can be can be actually used to be cut. So, I mean, what they don't need anymore, they're going to take that assessment, they're going to audit and see what programs is actually feasible to keep and which are not. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if more colleges start doing that, to be honest with you. Um, and once that starts happening, I wouldn't be surprised if the Stanford players who were participating in the wrestling and all those sports that got cut, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they get go to other schools or transfer to other schools or, you know, because they lose their scholarships. So they're going to lose their whatever means of, you know, having an education. So there's a lot more to it. I think that this is just going to be a start of a trend that's going to go. It's going to be more to it without question. I think this is only the beginning. I think it's Stanford's case. I think they cut those squads because – it didn't um it was it was it was uh i want to say there were sports that probably operated in the red but they they generated enough money in the black with football and other revenues where they'd be able to sustain those sports but because of the fear as we all know they everybody lost on you know the, the ncaa tournament uh, they're banking on the fact that this is going to be a lost uh, college football season, and that's more money, so they're just cutting their losses early. Um, but I can almost guarantee that if they cut it for 2021, if football comes back, and then it comes back in 21, I guarantee all those sports will be reinstated by 2022. I almost guarantee it. I, I think they just did it out of necessity. Just to shed payroll, just to shed uh, shed inventory, but once they get their monies back on track, that they're gonna add all those sports back because it just won't be right. Because Stanford is about having all those sports. But here's, I, I get what you're saying. I, to be honest, I kind of agree with you. But the thing is, is that now you lose the players that you originally had. You lose. I mean, not all of them. I'm just saying some players may have trust issues in that regards because of that, and. You know, there's going to be some. I'm, I'm, there's going to be some type of repercussions off of this, regardless. Well, I think personally that Stanford just set a trend for all those particular sports, and I think that more universities will probably follow that trend and cut all the dead weight. Oh yeah, definitely. We're going to keep all the money makers. Oh, definitely. And those kids that do that in high school, 
are going to be the ones that are going to be left out in the cool. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, there's going to be some repercussion because the people that wanted to be a part of that university for those reasons now feel as though that they've been slighted because of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you have a wealthy school like, you know, Stanford, that's, that's quote-unquote, trimming the fat and cutting, you know, teams like that, and not a, not one or two, but 11, I mean, regardless of what they do, I mean, that's not looking good for all colleges, universities around. For hell, I saw on the TV um, a day before yesterday morning, they were talking about Princeton University. They're going to have freshmen's and, um, I believe it's going to be freshmen's and juniors on campus for the fall while the sophomores and seniors are home. And they might even have them on campus the entire semester. Um, but it's going to be a lot more of online learning and some people are going to be able to come into class because there are some classes that you're going to have to teach. And then the next semester, they're going to have, you know, when the freshmen and the um, juniors are going to be home, they're going to have the sophomore and the seniors that are going to be on campus. Um, so you're looking at that. That's cut revenue because you don't got people paying for room and board. You only got people paying for you know, classes. So money's going to go down everywhere. I mean, you know, in regards to what our president says about he wants everybody in school in the fall, um, let him try this son out to a school in the fall and, you know, (laughs) then we'll talk. Um, But um, this is going to be, this is going to be interesting because like you said, Ace, they're trimming the fat, but it's more so because I think is a, is a direct fear that they might not have college football in the fall. Yep. Um, like I've always said, the only way they can justify having college football in the fall is you have to some way or form justify having students on campus. If you can't justify that, you can't justify having players on campus for the simple fact of you know, playing football. And too many cases are popping up right now um, for different, you know, colleges and different Power Five conferences, where players are testing positive. So I mean, I, it, I, I'm hopeful for college football, but I'm very. It, I would not be surprised if we find out that college football either a won't be played at all or b won't be played in the fall. I think they're going to try to do everything in their power to get it played this year. I agree, but it would not shock me if they kick it down the have to kick it down the can. But I agree with you. The powerful conference has a lot more money to lose mm-hmm. in college basketball, which got their um, March Madness cut. Doesn't want to have any parts of college football in the spring taking their money away. Exactly. Exactly. But the problem is, is that like you, we already seen it with some of these um, college football players already been tested positive. And as long as this is continuing the trend, it's not going to look better for the NCAA. And until they immediately do something in that regards to stop it, they're still going to be a position where a lot of people is not going to be a part of the college football program because so many people are testing positive, not just the players, the staff as well. So like this needs to be, I mean, the NCAA is looking like, yo, we need to get this handled one way, shape, or form because we can't go out there and say we're going to start the season knowing that all this hasn't been completely resolved yet or completely under control, I should say. And everything is still running amok. So at this stage, what can they do? They need to figure out what is it that they can do to help minimize the risk and get college football up and running. But they don't have no ideas. Let me tell you something. I'll be very blunt with this. And they may put asterisks next to this season. (laughs) But I think this is how this is going to roll. I think college football is going to roll as long as 20% or less of the football team has tested positive. And it's just going to show the extreme depths of college rosters. Because as long as you have a person that can play a position to play any given Saturday, a team is going to play. So if that means West Virginia or Rutgers and they're starting 22, 10 of their stars are out on Corona, this means their backup is going to have to roll. 
And if, if, if out of those 10 and five of the backups are done, third string is just going to have to step up. And it's just going to keep running and rolling just like that. And as long as they sold like less than 20%, because I think college rosters is like 105. And it's only 85. It's like 105, 110. And I think it's like 85 that's on scholarship. You're just going to see how deep their walk-on rosters are going to be. Because I think, without a doubt, that they're going to play. It's just that you may not see the stars play, but with college football, it's not so much about what stars play. I think it has everything to do with the camaraderie and the alumni that's rooting for their school as opposed to the actual stars. In doing that, that's going to, in terms, going, you're not going to have this. If you do that, it's just going to be based, everything's going to be based, like you said, it's going to be an asterisk, but it's going to be based off of what team is the deepest. So there's going to be a chance where you might not get the same teams that are usually powerhouses in the in the actual championship games. You'll get some state like like Memphis State or something like that in the you know college football play tournament where so like Alabama or Oklahoma some of these powers teams may not be able to make it because they're on their fourth third or fourth string quarterback and third or fourth string team. So. I get where you're going, but will fans be actually happy with the actual outcome if this continues? Or do, I guess I guess I'm answering my question because obviously they won't care because as long as college football is being played, it doesn't matter who is playing at this stage. I mean, you see how the people get buck wild with just their, you know, you know, simple liberties of where they got to wear a mask indoors or outdoors or being at the beaches. People all, you know, got their panties all in a bunch, you know, per se. Um, you get down to the to Red South and you tell them that they can't have Alabama football or they can't have Auburn football, Tennessee football, you know, Florida, Florida State. You tell these people they can't see their college football. They're gonna have the, they're gonna there's gonna be some real bitching and moaning going on. I mean, and on one hand, Ace, I, I, I do agree. And like I said, they're going to try up until the very last minute to get this football, you know, college football season going because there's so much money on the table. Um, and, yeah, they will probably, you know, go with what they can as long as they can. But I think it will probably start. There's probably going to be some teams that may not be able to play their first game or two, but I think it's going to start. I think they're going to try to start it and finish it as quickly as they possibly can, which means possibly eliminating um, el eliminating conference champions. It may just be like whoever has the best record, or if there's a tie between one side or another, whoever has the best end you know record. I think they might try to cut games where they can, and they might even try to fit bowl games in a little bit sooner if they possibly can without having a month break between the last bowl game until the, you know, championship game, they're probably going to try to do it as quickly as they possibly can to, like you said, Ace, get a season and crown a champion, asterisk or not, but I can see them starting and if things spike, I can see it getting shut down um, quick. Uh, let, me, let me ask this. But I do agree, they will, Ace. I know, I'm, I'm with you. They're gonna run it until they can't. Until they until it, it's not feasible to run it. I agree. Let me ask this question. It's not even a question. Remember about a week, maybe less than ten days ago, when the governor of South Carolina said, "If y'all don't start wearing masks, we're gonna shut down the college football season." And let me get started yeah, wearing masks. Have you heard anything about South Carolina? I didn't even hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Case in point. That's how them boys died in the South run. If you threaten to take their South, their, their college football, their NASCAR away from them, I guarantee they start wearing masks and they'll sit there and say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We go ahead and wear our masks because we want to go ahead and watch our college football team, South Carolina Gamecocks, or play on Saturday. So, yes, you haven't heard a peep out of South Carolina. I guarantee that curve is going to start coming real soon. No, nah, but that's here's the difference. That's South Carolina. I mean, I'm going to see that happen with Florida, Alabama, you know, Texas, some of these, I mean, you know, the states where there are actual increases in cases. Like you said, I get it. South Carolina, you don't hear, I haven't heard a peep about this. So that's all well and good. But until everybody else does the same thing, it's going to, I mean, it's, it's still the status quo. 
nothing is going to change. So the question is, is that does it really get to that point where you have to do something like that to, to actually control this? And if so, they need to do it as quickly as possible if they want to get that taken care of. I agree. I agree. But uh, I, I, I stand by it. I, I appreciate you guys you know, standing with me. But by hook or by crook, the only game, the only Power 5 game so far that's been canceled is that maybe uh, – I forget who they're playing. But I think it's like an August 30th or September 5th game that they canceled. They didn't cancel the season. They just canceled the one game. <laughs> Yeah, what game is that's, that's that's just like the hall of um the hall of fame game. No one gives a fuck about. <laughs> yeah, there, there was one game that they were supposed to play at um, Wrigley Field, but um, they canceled that particular game. I forgot it was Northwestern and somebody else was supposed to be playing at um Wrigley Field. They canceled that game, but they didn't say anything about canceling the season or anything like that. Exactly, but I guarantee if they can fit further into the season if things start to. They figure out a way and things start smoothing out. They'll find a way to fit that game in there. Without a doubt. They'll find a Thursday night Thursday night game just to squeeze that in. And then maybe they have a bye the following week. Man, look, these all these damn uh, universities want that, that, that money. So they'll find a way. It's all about the dollar bill. And where there's a will, there is a way. Always. <laughs> Why to sit there and pay these players now because of this? <laughs> That is true. Uh, yes. Uh, but uh, real quick before we before we roll, um, we all know the bu- the bubbling the bubbling um, um, Magic Kingdom. Things are hot in Florida. Um, some players have tested positive. Some players are concerned about life in the bubble. Um, we all know it's going to happen one way or another. If I can look on my TV and see. Uh, a basketball tournament where what is it like like ten teams winner a million dollar prize winner takes TBN, all TBT TBT if I can see that damn thing going to hell you, yes NBA is going to go because they can do that they damn sure can do the NBA um, however long they're going to try to do it but do you guys think they're going to start and finish the season or start and it gets cut short midway I think I asked this question. A week or two ago, I understand NBA rosters are fifteen players, but in the case where they have five players and they need they need help on the bench, can they just go out there and sign five players? Or do Brooklyn they have to just did. Short bench, short bench. Brooklyn just did. I mean, Brooklyn had. I mean, we uh, ha- we lost mostly half of the team um, was not going, and I think four more people just got tested tested positive before they even caught the flight down. So mm-hmm. they ended up having to sign some people. Um, to cover that. So they're still looking to sign some people. So um, mm-hmm. they're, while the teams are down there now, they're still doing business on the back end. Exactly. So, yeah. And then my question would be, they sign them and say Brooklyn gets hit hard again with another five that get tested positive. Can they just go out there and sign five more? And then eventually, can they put them on the court? It looks like that's that's the case. It looks like that is the case. Yeah, I haven't heard anything definitive per se about that. Once you're in the bubble, you know, what happens, but, you know, they may. I just haven't heard that particular case. And maybe a situation where if you're, you know, a couple of games in, you're in the bubble, um, do you bring players in? Have these guys been, you know, tested? Are they ready to go? You know, it might be a question of you might have to just run five, you know, or you can't run anybody at all. Hey, I, they better suit up the water boy or something. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure he got some hops. Make sure he at least play high school ball. <laughs> Somebody can give him five or seven minutes off the bench. You know, all I'm saying is as long as they can sit there and be fluid about who they sign and they can, they don't have to sit there and go through waivers. If you grab them up, they're yours, and just keep keep moving. Then I think that, I think the league will will go on as uh, as planned. But if they got to sit there and go through that whole that through that whole waivers process and all that, I don't see how they make it through. Yeah, I think they opened it up a little bit more because of this during the bowl. Um, because uh, they, I mean, I know for a fact that with Tyler Johnson, they had to wait to clear um, to get them off of waivers. Um, matter of fact. Same thing with um, the Knicks when they they got um, Pinson off 
a waiver. So I know that they do that to that particular aspect of it, but there's always there's still free agents out there that they could just immediately sign and bring them to to the to Orlando. So um, I know Brooklyn just did that with Jamal Crawford. So mm-hmm. saw that, saw that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree. It, it, the, the season's going to go. I mean, yeah. all the all, all the comments are from, from Adam Silver is basically a you know a wait and see approach. You, you, they're just going to go with it and see what happens. Um, I think the season will go. Like I said, if I can watch that that TV whatever it is tournament on TV, <laughs> if they can play, the NBA is going to play. So if Korean baseball can play, major leagues are going to play. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, you know, but go ahead. No, I was just I was disagreeing pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I I mean the TBT, I think I think seeing that um installed a lot of confidence now for um Adam Silver and to be honest, the rest of the fans that are watching it because it feels as though that, you know, and it's not even held in Orlando. TBT is held in Ohio. So I think that with all things same showing how they doing it. I think it'll work out for the NBA, at least for now. But Adam Silver did say that, hey, if it gets to a point where a whole cluster of people is, is tested positive, then he has to consider shutting it down. So or at least at the very least, you know, pulling the plug for about yeah. a week or two. Yeah. I think they'll I think they'll just suspend stuff for about a week or two until people kind of, you know, get retested and get clear before they run it, before they, you know, cancel it totally. Yeah, I agree. We'll say this though: <laughs> their food selection is the funniest. <laughs> they the food selection. Them. Yeah, you saw, you saw the you saw the social media people of the players show, um, showing the food selection. No, I didn't see it. Oh man, whack! <laughs> what they getting? What they getting? Mickey Mouse burgers and Donald Duck drinks or something? Airplane food type of thing. <laughs> I thought they're supposed to be living in a lap of luxury out there, you know, staying at a Disney resort. <laughs> oh, I, I got it. I, I, like, nah, cutting, cutting back on uh, all those expensive ass meals. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, people had to sneak in Popeyes and different types of fast food drink of foods to, to get it in. I, um, think, I think teams should be able to get catered. I mean, catering food is not, people aren't getting affected by having food brought in from Uber Eats or whoever delivers it. So, But the, the problem was that the stuff that they got was all packaged. Like, they ain't even had, like, the, the, the whoever at Disney or Orlando, even the caterers or whatever the case, whatever they have to make the food that be there when you be in Orlando, they ain't even had that. They ain't had, like, no pizza, no nothing. Like, even chicken tenders. They had, like, prepackaged meals, like, wraps, salads, of uh, four fruit cups, uh, you know, potato chips. They had that type of food. Like, yeah. when you don't have that, where the people don't, like, you know in Orlando they have, like, people, they, they cook. Like, you either get pizza, chicken tenders, french fries. They ain't had none of that. So it was just wow. weird. <laughs> I mean, I heard about the, um, the, the conditions with the WNBA players where – I saw some of the video of the, of their conditions, being in their rooms, going into the um, you know, I guess the area they like to do laundry, where they have mouse traps and other stuff around there. I mean, they really? they look like they was roughing it worse if they was in college. I'm like, wow, this is we're not even going to get into the lady who cold on her dream, the oh, yeah, the yeah. governor who who basically opened up her mouth and spoke. Went, well, she spoke her heart, bless her soul. Yeah, yeah. She spoke her heart. But to get back to the other thing, um, yeah, I didn't see anything. But I'm like, if you're at Disney, I mean, I've I've been to Disney. I've stayed at, you know, their places. I mean, I mean their food, I mean, depending on where you're staying at, but at least I mean for the quick service meals, you get some really pretty good food. So mm-hmm. they can't even get that. I didn't uh, I, like I said, I'll send you the picture from Troy Daniels, what he got. Um it, it, I, when I saw it, I, I bust out laughing like this is this is worse than what you would get when you was there paying for it when you there. So that's that looks about the, the exact of the lunch we get because uh, working with the COVID response team, we get uh, catered lunches, and I swear that looked 
eerily similar to the crap. <laughs> really? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> well, look, all I know is that, you know, you know, my company, Aramark, doesn't have to do any business down there, so that ain't on them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we put them on blast. I need their sponsorship. <laughs> you guys are doing a good job. Keep it up. <laughs> yes, the comments expressed on this um, podcast are, are not of my own. You got to express my views. My views are my views only. <laughs> but uh, before we go, um, last thing, because I know we're, we're creeping up on our time. I do want to get into um, the dream co-owner, Kelly um, Leo, Leo, uh, Theofler, who is critical of the WNBA's Black Lives Matter initiative. Now, she is a co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. Um, she's actually a senator, a junior senator um, from Georgia, not elected, but was appointed there, um, but basically wrote a letter to the commissioner to express her opposition to the Black Lives Matter movement um, and asked that the league put an American flag on every jersey when play resumes later this month. Um, and basically she wanted to keep politics out of sports, even though across the, you know, across the resort, on the good side, I guess we'll call it like that, the NBA is going, um, it's making sure that they are extremely inclusive of the Black Lives Matter movement, even going so far as allowing players to wear, even though I don't totally agree with this, specific set of phrases they can wear on their their, um, their jerseys. However, getting back to it, what do you guys think of the co-owner of the um, Atlanta Dreams comments, and do you believe that she should not, as some people say, be a co-owner of that team? Um, I think personally that politician or not, if you're a co-owner of the team, I understand that he believes that politics shouldn't be involved in sports, but politics is all over sports. But you being a politician, you can't, you can't, in my opinion, you shouldn't be able to push your agenda based off your political political stature and our political siding to sit there and say this wouldn't this shouldn't be what it is because of who you are based on your politics and if that is the case she's showing her true colors because she's a she's a, a far-right disciple and she's a Fondling the balls because it's cold in the basement. Mm. Type of type of agreement of how things should be, you know. So I understand her plight, but in the same sense, it's okay for folks in sports to sit there and express their political views. I don't think as owners they have their right to sit there and flip it because you're in politics to force what you believe is should be the case and force a league to do something. And in that case, if you can't be partial in that situation, I don't believe she needs to be owner of the team. Um, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Bottom line is, is that she said it now. Um, and I see, first things first, kudos to the WNBA players. Um, because when after saying this, they voiced their opinion as well. Um, especially the WNBA Players Association, um, or the players union um, saying that they want her out <laughs> bottom line. They don't even want, they, you know, even I was more curious to see what some of the WNBA players of the Atlanta dream would say, but I, I think I got the gist of it being a representation of all players. Um, bottom line is this question is now is, is that what is the WNBA? Can they do something about it? Because let's be honest, she's still the co-owner of the dream. Um, I'm very curious to see what the players is going to do. I'm very curious to see what sponsorship is going to do. If they're going to ask for it. It's almost, I, it's almost very similar to what the Clippers went through with Donald Sterling. Um, um, it's, it, so 
I want to see what the players, how they handle this going forward. Um, if they follow the model of what the Clippers did, uh, to be honest, also, I'm also curious as far as the president of the WNBA, how they're going to handle this going forward. So until I hear from them, I'm not going to say anything in regards to it. I mean, I think the players already said what they said, how they feel, and they don't want her to be a part of the WNBA no more. Rightfully so, when you can't talk about no politics in sports, but yet you're a politician owning a team, sports team. So factor that in. Um, I'm very curious to see what the WNBA and how the president handles this, because that's going to be telling going forward. Yeah, I think in the case of Donna Sterling, when you made those comments, there was so much public outcry, backlash, and pressure from everybody um, to basically force the NBA to do something that they haven't done before and basically push the guy to sell the team, and he went ahead and sold it. Um, it's going to need to be that same kind of public outcry, public pressure, which I haven't seen that as much. Um, I'd like to see more about that. But to get back to the um, to the ladies' comments, I mean, um, <sighs> politics and sports has always been there. Um, if she was a student of history, it's been there for quite a long time. This is just this Black Lives Matter is just not the first. Um, there's been other political stances and activisms in sports going back to the 60s and 50s. Mm -hmm. um, if we're going to the Black Lives Matter movement, even going to the Colin Kaepernick movement, all of us was protesting. It was not about anybody's political views. It was about social injustice. It wasn't until our current president injected politics into the situation mm -hmm. by turning it into something else that he could use as a political um, tool for him and others where it really became political. It's always been activism. It's always been about social justice. It's never been political. Now it's getting political. You're making it political. Other people are making it political when it never really was to begin with. So to me, it just seems like you spoke your heart, but you're still ignorant of what it, what it started off as, and what it really is. Should she sell the team? She shouldn't be in that position of power to own team if that's your particular feelings. You know, it's, it's not my place to make her or, or tell her or force her hand. That's going to be up to the WNBA. That's going to be up to the commissioner. And to me, that should be something come from Adam Silver being like, hey, look, guys, we prop you up for a very long time. This chick, y'all got to do something with her. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, I then will. we will. Yep. And you know, I don't know, you know, David Stern, rest in peace. You know, I didn't agree with everything of all the stuff he did, but he was gangster with his. And when you crossed the line and you crossed him, he <laughs> he made no qualms about coming after you. So you need that same type of level of gangster to tell the WNBA, get your house in order. If not, you know, the people who bank you will. Yeah. I'm, I'm be honest. I kind of wish that the WNBA season was still going and was now because I'm very curious to see how the Atlanta Dream players would handle this. Um, I mean, I get it that, you know, you voice your opinion on social media, but the question is, I'm, I'm more curious to see, like, during the games, are you going to ignore your co-owner's um, words and do something like uh, – like I said, is the only difference between this and the the Clippers incident is because that happened during the playoffs. Around this time, I believe that the Dream would be playing an NBA, a WNBA game at this moment. So, I, I'm I I really want to see how the WNBA handles this, you know, because let's be honest, if they remain silent, it shows it shows a lot, and. It kind of wish that they had a basketball game to play because this would be the topic of discussion, even in the media standpoint going forward, because everybody would want to see how the dream would handle this or what they would do. Or if sponsorships, if they would actually say, you know what, we're going to drop our sponsorship during this game because of this, until this is resolved. So um, I just don't want it to get swept under the rug because there's so much other stuff going on. Right. And, I just hope that WNBA continues to push for it and work on to, to handle this, bottom line. And it should be out in the, in the open so that people know. 
Yeah. I, I think I understand why maybe the uh, Atlanta the Atlanta Dream players haven't said anything is just because and some of them have on social media. Okay. I think uh, probably don't want to jeopardize their contract and livelihood at the moment. But the stars probably could speak out because they know that they need those players to bring the fans to the, you know, uh, well, just to keep fans interested. Yeah, um, because Candace, shout out to Candace Parker, because she was, you know, I know I saw her when she voiced an opinion about it as well. And I know some of the other people voiced their opinions on social through social media as well. So, um, bottom line, there's like, yo, she needs to be out. It, I mean, there's no even sugar coating in or nothing. Like, she needs to be out as Corona for it to work. So, yeah. And, and, and I would love to see, you know, it's, it's got to be some pressure. It's, it's got to be where it affects the bottom line, just like we saw with, you know, Washington Redskins, you know, where the people who are putting money in Daniel Snyder's pocket start grumbling at you. That's when you say, oh, whoa, 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 look into this now. When the last 30 years, he was dead set against not changing the name. You have FedEx, you have Nike, you have um, Amazon just recently. You have a whole bunch of people talking about not only are we not going to sell your products, we're going to sell our, our, our stake, you know, in the team. That's what gets certain people's attention. Not, you know, unfortunately it's the money always about the money. And I would love to see a lot more pressure brought in, you know, from outside public pressure on the situation. Keep it in the news. I would love to see our um, NBA, the NBA players stand with their WNBA sisters. True, true. And put the pressure, you know, on that. You got to keep it out there because if she gets away with just saying this and then it goes away, it's going to get not swept under the rug, but the season's going to start and she'll be co-owner and maybe get a little tap on the wrist for saying what she said. And not only that, I mean, real quick, not only that, if, like, the fellas don't come out and help in standing and against this as well, like, that's just going to show the amount of bias it is between, you know, if the, the, the WNBA players can come and support them for certain situations, like the Donald Sterling thing, but they don't return the favor and support the WNBA. And they need to be careful in that regards because you don't want to be that person where you you want support, but yet you don't give support. So they have to be careful about that. And to be honest, they should be supporting. They should be voicing their opinions as well. They have just as much of a, a, a voice in this as the WNBA players. If not, they it's can not definitely. bigger. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that they should, there's more NBA players should be speaking out against this and be pulling to have, this co-owner removed. Well, we'll be interested to see how they uh, they move forward. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, everybody, that is our time um, over a little bit, but definitely a good, healthy debate and conversation. Um, as always, we appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening, and subscribing. Um, so before we roll, everybody let them know where they can find you at. Find me on Twitter at uh yeah, where can you find me? Um Cat Daddy1963. That's Cat Daddy1963 on Twitter. I'll be forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm laughing now because you always look at that. <laughs> I do. You got it, so you see me looking, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, I am our quals, Twitter and Instagram, I am our quals. Uh, and you can find me. I don't forget, but I may one day. Um, uh, Twitter, Snapchat, and the Gram, J.E. Ross, the number seven. Um, and as always, everybody want to say love, peace, and uh, stay safe out there. Wear your mask outside, inside public, social distance. And uh, we will see you um, same bat time, same bat channel.